calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Nightmare Magazine Story Podcast. I'm your host, Jack Kincaid. Nightmare Magazine is edited by John Joseph Adams, and the Story Podcast is produced by Skyboat Media in association with Jim Freund. Our next offering for the June issue is Dirt Man by H.L. Nelson. The story is read for you by Judy Young. Dirt Man is copyright 2014 by H.L. Nelson. H.L. Nelson is head of Cease Cows Literary Magazine, associate editor for Queen's University of Charlotte's Journal, Q, and proofreader for Literary Orphans. Her publications include Writer's Digest, Lunch Ticket, Hank, Menacing Hedge, Hobart, Connotation Press, plus over 40 others in the last year. H.L.'s poem, Absolution, was nominated for Best of the Net 2013. Her fiction chapbook, The Sea is Only Meat, will be out this year. She is busy co-editing an anthology which includes stories by Amy Bender, Roxanne Gay, Lindsay Hunter, Mary Miller, and other excellent female writers. And so ends this week's intro. So without further ado, let's have a nightmare. Dirt Man by H.L. Nelson You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the waters below. Exodus, chapter 20, verse 4. When I see the scorpion curled under a caliche rock I picked up, my first want is to smash it like Daddy would. Daddy's always killing things. Hairy tarantulas in the hall, fat diamondbacks in the field, and my hound pups when they get parvo. Our few patches of grass have the sick, but Daddy won't treat it. He says it costs too much, that those old dogs don't deserve much thought. Since the summer I turned seven, 
Most of my pups have caught it. Two years with litter after litter of all rib-dying dogs because of Daddy. The scorpion shifts around in the sandy hole. Its stinger held up, pincers pointed at me, ready for a fight. I feel a liking for the fiery bug. It's just the two of us out here in the dirt while Mama and Daddy yell. I can hear them through the messed-up screen door. I'll replace the rock, give the scorpion back his cool, dark home. But then I look to the shed, where I know Dirt Man lies in the dark. I grab the mason jar I'd brought outside, lift the rock, and coax the scorpion in with a mesquite stick. He fights, but I win. I tighten the jar top, but the holes in it will keep him alive until I need him. Even if you don't like something here in this desert, you have no choice but to get used to it. When I was younger, I couldn't stand the dirt. It'd get in my diaper, and I'd cry till Mama cleaned me up. Dirt gets in through the screen door, through the torn mesh, and blows in the gap at the bottom. No matter how many times Mama and I dust in a day, within the hour, a thin coating of the stuff is on every surface, even on the sleeping dogs. Daddy told me once after a six-pack of curs, Our people were born of the dirt, Lucianne, and to the dirt will be released. Till then, we scrounge around with the lowest of the low. When he said it, an image flashed in my head of floods and lightning hitting our land. How we struggled up from the earth, flopping around like fishes trying to breathe. How we formed arms and legs and learned to crawl, learned how to protect ourselves from the heat. Then grew used to the drought, able to take the pain tough and hard. Daddy didn't mention anything about us being tough and hard. He must have forgot that part. I try not to listen to Mama screaming about Daddy's drinking. I focus on the six-inch patch of dirt right in front of me until everything else fades away. Sometimes I think the dirt is my only true friend. I use the stick to turn over small rocks, to make little lines, write messages, mostly to Dirt Man, since he can't talk. At times, I swear he answers me, takes over power of the stick, scratches messages into the dirt. I can't understand the squiggles, though. Not yet. Bringing my face down real close to the sandy square, I squint through the magnifying glass I got out of a box of sugar o's. If I have a friend, I want to know them the best I can, so I try to know this dirt by looking real close. It's made of tiny crystals, sand lions, bits of rock, shell, bone. Some of the crystals are like glass, 
In school, my teacher says this desert was once all water. I'm not sure I believe it, even when I see the shells. Everything is dry and crumbly as old flour. Maybe my grandpa's grandpa's grandpa upset God and he dried the land out. It's not even good to grow in. Our garden never does well. The corn, beans, melon pinch up like Grandpa Lee's face in the heat, no matter how much Mama has me water them. This dirt's only good to house horn toads, mean as sin yellow jackets, hairy wolf spiders, fast lizards, and to make dirt men. Dirt man is dried up, but not like most folks around here are dried up. They're like Mama's jerky after I leave it out for a few days. Drier than dry. Daddy goes to Stafford Farm and picks out a cow to be killed, then comes back with the whole side that Mama cuts up in jerkies. She always freezes the rest. I've had nightmares about half a cow chasing me through the tumbleweeds and mesquite, thorny branches clawing at my clothes and skin. I've woken up drenched, then remembered Mama cut up that half a cow and it was cooling in the deep freeze, frosting over with the fine ice. I'd still look at the meat sidelong when Mama pulled it out. Didn't trust it until it was in my belly. I hear her inside saying, I swear to God, Jessup, if you don't quit drinking, I'm going to leave you. You've already lost the oil rig job, best job you ever had, and I'll be damned if I'm going to stick around and let you bury me too. I ignore them. Our trailer walls are thin as ghosts, but no matter how hard I press my hands to my ears, more than likely I'll be out here for hours, even after the sun's down. I'm used to playing by myself in the yard, though. I have the bugs, the dirt, and I have dirt, man. I look up, squinting at the blazing sun, and I think it's not so bad. Things could be worse. Then I see the storm clouds building at the end of the sky. Remember Mama saying it's supposed to flood tonight. Then I look down and see fire ants swarm over a dung beetle. The beetle keeps going, but the more ants that load him down, the slower he moves. His entire shell is covered, and it's like the ants are moving his body for him, one stiff step at a time. I expect he'll be dead soon. I've been bitten and stung up so many times by ants, bees, scorpions, that I don't care too much anymore. I figure insects and reptiles are like people. They're going to do what they do, no matter what. No sense in complaining. Complaining is for the weak, and we don't have time for weakness. We only have time for hard work, for family, for God. Mama says that a lot. She's never complained about Daddy to me, or anything. Not once. 
Sometimes I think Mama is the strongest person I've ever known. Sometimes, too, I wonder why she married Daddy. But then I remember all the times she said how nice he smells. And she looked at him like he was the most beautiful person she'd ever seen. Daddy is handsome. It's true. At least he was before he started drinking so much. Before, he'd bring Mama flowers from Henshaw's, would sing to me and her while playing his guitar, his bangs falling in his eyes in a nice way. At night, he'd stroke my hair and cheek and hum to me until I'd sleep. I tell Dirtman these things, not just the bad things. But my memory gets foggy at times. It's been so long since Daddy loved on me. Watching the beetle as the ants topple him over, I remember times Daddy got mad. Like when I wouldn't come to the dinner table because I was trying to save a mama bug by picking her up with the fly swatter to set her outside. Her rear end, a long, pointy thing that babies would come out, was stuck to the carpet. And no matter how gently I tried to lift her onto the swatter, she wouldn't budge. Then Daddy yelled, Lucy Ann, get your ass to the table. And I was scared. So I rushed the mama bug onto the swatter. It tore her belly in two, spilled out a mess of wet white eggs. I crushed her with my shoe to end it quick, then cried and cried at the table. Daddy didn't care. He told me to shut up and eat my green beans. Mama told him to stop being a heathen, hugged my shoulders, then sat down, clasped her hands together, and prayed. Lord, let Lucy Ann's bug crawl up to you in heaven, and please, Lord, Help us release our anger into the air, way up to you, so we can fly free. She looked at Daddy when she prayed. I think about these things. I hear them yelling inside, and the poor beetle waves its thin little legs as the ants tear him apart. Grandpa Lee's big sledgehammer is within my reach, leaning against the shed. Grandpa Lee swings it so easy when he helps tear down old houses, but I can't even pick it up. It's too heavy. All I can do is push the handle over, bringing it down on the beetle. The crunch sounds like stepping on Daddy's beer bottles. This time, I feel bad for the beetle but I don't cry. I do what I have to do. Rubbing the bug guts off the hammer's handle with my toe, I'll think about Dirtman's face, how to make it. I have two of Daddy's empty beer bottles that I snuck outside with me, so I set to work. There are a lot of empties hidden in my closet, but right now I only need these two. Using a ball peen, I break the bottle glass, and it cracks in jagged lines. I chip off shards from the bottom, then I do the same with the other bottle. Holding up the circles of brown glass when I'm done, I gaze through them, 
like they're strange sunglasses. Everything looks like an alien planet, like I'm somewhere else. It's all so much darker, creepier. The yard and trailer are blurry along the barely curved sides, but clear right in the middle is our shed. I shift the bottle bottoms away from my eyes, blink a few times to bring the clear color back, to make sure I'm still here. It's like Daddy's not really here when he drinks. And he's meaner. I hate it. Once, he threw my porcelain ducks at the wall and they shattered, pelting pieces all over the carpet. I'd found them buried in the yard when I was digging, had left them laying on the floor and he'd stepped on them. He almost hit me for it, but I ran to my room and locked the door before he could. He didn't follow that time. Another afternoon, Mama called from the clothes factory where she works and asked if Daddy was home. I swallowed hard on the phone, told her no, he wasn't. Mama got quiet, said he was at the bar then and that she wouldn't be home that night. She told me not to tell him she called. Before she hung up, she said she was praying to God that Daddy wouldn't dare touch me or he'd have hell to pay. I don't blame her anymore. I'm not sure I would have come home either. Daddy knew I was lying when I told him Mama hadn't called. He hit me so hard I fell to the floor. I screamed, Daddy, don't kill me. He stopped then and said, I could wring your neck like a chicken's. You'd do best to remember. Now get on to bed. I was hungry and scared all that night, and the next morning, no one was home to fix my breakfast. In my room, with the door shut tight, is when I get back at Daddy. I rip out my doll's hair, drive nails through his empty beer cans with the ball peen, tear up his old T-shirts. When I do mad things, I feel bad after. I made dirt man so I can stop doing mad things, and I hope to God he can help me. I'll get up, brush the dirt from my shorts and knees, pick up the two bottle bottoms and the mason jar with the scorpion, and go into the shed. At least in here, I can't hear Daddy and Mama anymore. I stop and watch the dust float around with lazy magic, circulating in the air. Late day sun slanting into chinks between the weathered wood gives the air a warmth. It feels like Mama's blue robe when she wears it after a bath. I sniff deep and smell the rain coming. It'll come soon, and some may get through the gaps and sprinkle the floor. I curve around months of heaped, brittle magazines, the red rusted tiller, bags of stale dog feet with mice nested in them, half-used dented cans of oil. It all smells like Grandpa Lee's storm cellar, old and moldy. I pass these tall stacks of Daddy's things, and 
in the deepest back corner. I kneeled down by Dirt Man. When we're so close, I can smell his pressed sandy skin. Like the shore we visited one summer, I tell Dirt Man that Daddy makes me real mad. I can sense him listening, and I pretend the wind whistling around the shed door is him talking to me. I haven't finished his face, so he can't really say nothing. And he doesn't have arms and legs. I've gathered up some things, though. I reach over and place the bottle bottoms and the mason jar in the pile of things to help me finish him. I tell Dirt Man that Mama talked to me before bed last night. My black and tan hound lady got off her chain and tried to run out the yard. I chased her down and whipped her good while Daddy watched. I took everything out on her while he watched. Daddy looked proud of me. After, I snuck Lady into my room. I cried and hugged her. She looked so sad, as if she knew it would happen one day and long ago had accepted it. I didn't know Mama had seen everything from the kitchen window. She sat on the edge of my bed, and all I could see of her was her outline by the weak closet light. She said, Lucy Ann, sometimes you are just like your daddy, and that scares me so I don't want you to end up angry and unhinged. I shook my head hard back and forth. Please promise me right now that you'll let love flow into your heart like an ocean of forgiveness, joy, and hope. Let's pray to God for this. Okay, baby? Yes, Mama. And at that moment, when we clasped hands and bowed our heads and prayed, I felt that ocean coming into my heart, flowing fast and flowing straight, straight from Mama. When I tell these things to Dirt Man, something loosens inside me. It's like talking to God, telling Him my sins and asking for forgiveness, Somehow, I know Dirt Man forgives me. I hear Mama screaming from the house. I lurch up, run past the pile of things, out the shed, and bang in through the screen door. In the living room, Daddy's standing over Mama. She's on the floor, has red coming off her. I don't know what the red is or where it's coming from. She isn't moving. Then I realize it's blood. I run over to Daddy and kick his shins. I shout, What'd you do to my mama? He grabs my kicking leg, makes me fall on my tailbone and says, Go to the field and don't come back till I yell. Your mama and me gonna talk things through. I'll beat your ass if you come back before I call. Go now. I nod fast. Mama's hurt but she's just asleep. Daddy'll wake her. I go outside. The clouds gathered together are black as Grandpa Lee's bad toenail. They are ready to pour. My tailbone hurts, 
so I rub it as I hustle to the shed. Fumbling in the dark until my eyes adjust, I make my way to the back. I know exactly where he is. He says nothing, but I can tell he's mad. It pulls me like an ant to a sand line. This doesn't make me uneasy. It seems right. I find the little oil lamp and make a flame. Then I see Dirt Man's body. He looks larger in the pool of oily light. I need him to talk to me, to tell me what to do. My hand is shaking, but I lift the jar and jostle the scorpion out and into the chest cave I made with my fist. The scorpion will be Dirt Man's heart. I watch it crawl in, then plug the entrance with our moldy bathtub stopper. I'll take the bottoms of the bottles and press them in for eyes. The milky brown deepens, and I know he sees me, even if all the color is gone. For his mouth, I'll make a gash with a stick and jut in my dead dog's teeth. Far down into his throat, I push a small, creased piece of paper. I'd scrawled the words, Help me make Daddy stop onto it. Can you talk to me, please? My whispered voice sounds like someone else's. I hear the scrape of a shovel outside the shed. I don't understand what Daddy's doing out there. I rock to calm myself. I tell Dirt Man, I don't know what to do that I need a sign from him, a word, that I'll do anything he wants if you'll just help me. His body is heavy beside mine. I wipe tears off my cheeks. Then I hear a brittle voice coming from his packed dirt flesh. No worry. Due time. We will release. I start, jerk my head, and bite down too hard on my lip. Taste blood on my tongue. I whisper, Was that you, dirt man? No answer. The only sounds are those made by the shovel outside. They continue for a long time. Then there's a terrible silence like the quiet that comes when coyotes prowl our field. The squeal of the screen door and a yell from the back porch, Lucienne, come inside. I blow out the lamp quick-like and race in. I can't wait for Mama to wrap her arms around me, tell me everything is okay. When I come in, Daddy's sitting in his easy chair. He looks a mess with dirt all on him. He's cracked open a beer, takes a long pull on it. I say, where's Mama? Mama's not coming back, Daddy says. It takes me a minute to realize what he said. At first, I think he says she was in back, and I start to run outside to find her. 
but then it sinks in, what he actually said. A cold feeling comes over me as I watch him in his chair. His face is relaxed, as if he doesn't have a care in the world, as if he doesn't give a good goddamn about Mama leaving. I feel like a trapdoor spider about to pounce. I say with gritted teeth, This is all your fault. Then I run to him and hit his chest with my fists. I keep hitting and yelling, You're no good. You drink too much, and you made Mama mad by losing your job. Mama only stayed before because she felt sorry for you. You are too damn mean and weak for her and for me. He rears back and hits me across the side of my head. I wake up on the floor. Daddy isn't here. My left eye's closed, swollen over, and throbs real bad with pain and heat. But I get up and run as fast as I can outside into the shed. It's so dark that I knock over piles of Daddy's things, slip and fall as they hit me on my hurting head. Somehow, I'll make it to the back. There's no time. I finish Dirt Man in the dark. My eye hurts and I can't see, but I make Dirt Man's arms and legs with knowledge that's buried in me, crawling up from the past, from my kin in times of need. I dump water from a pail, make the damp mud into the shape of big arms and legs, bigger than Daddy's, and I push Daddy's brown belt between Dirt Man's body and the floor, cinch it round the middle. It's the belt Daddy uses on me. When I finish Dirt Man, the rains begin. I can hear it run across the land. There's too much. It's too fast to let in. This ground is so used to the dry. It's a stubborn, unloved ground. Doesn't know what to do when it gets what it needs. I go outside and stand in front of the empty dog pen and let it wash over me. I wish there was enough rain to fill this entire basin up, to wash everything clean. But there will never be enough. Still, I wish. I wish as hard as I can. And just then, there's a deafening sound behind me. I clutch my ears and turn. The shed roof is cracked in half, and in the near dark, I see a shape standing in front of the door. I blink my eyes a few times, then wipe the rain from them, look again, and it's gone. A shadow lengthens across the yard from the back door. Lucianne, what the hell are you doing out here when I'm yelling for you? You're deaf as a box of goddamn nails. I face Daddy. I want to warn him, but I don't. Dirt Man could be anywhere. He could do anything. Daddy grabs me by the neck and slings me to the ground. My face lands in mud water. I've told you and told you time and again not to be running off without telling me. He bends down, holds me in the water, and I thrash, try to push his hands off my head. It fills my lungs. I choke, but I can't keep it out. 
My vision blurs and everything sounds like it's happening from a great distance, just a low thrumming that I'm experiencing outside of me. I feel light, light enough for my legs to lift off the land. And I see myself and Daddy from above, pulling away higher. For a second, I revel in this feeling of outsiderness. I forget that I need saving. Then from above, I see a lurking shadow by the side of the house. Daddy pulls my head out of the puddle and brings me crashing back into my body. I choke up water and my lungs burn fierce. Daddy's face is close to mine. I can smell the beer through my sputtering. He yells in my ear over the rain. Don't you ever do that again, Lucienne. He lets me go, stalks into the trailer and barks. Come in, now. Before I go in, I look at the side of the house, but I see nothing. I'll make sure to open the screen door slow so it won't squeak. I take a quiet bath, try to calm down. When I'm done, I cry into Mama's soft blue robe. I rub it on my hair and down my cheek. I pretend Mama is holding me and Daddy is playing the guitar and singing. Much later, I come out and Daddy's in his chair. His eyes are closed. The rain is still pounding with the rhythm of blood in my hurt eye and head. There is a feeling in me as I look at Daddy in the chair, like I'm shriveled inside, like there's no more good I can do. Nothing I can make myself be or do that isn't already a part of me. Right now, I decide. I decide I don't need Daddy. I don't need Mama. All I need is myself and my dirt man. When lightning cracks again, I see him in the window. His beer bottle eyes glisten in the electric light. His canine teeth jut out all crooked. I know a scorpion crawls in his empty spaces and wants what it wants. Doesn't feel bad about it. I know that its stinger is certain. I'm sorry, Mama. I don't feel an ocean. Not one drop. My dirt man is at the screen door now. Something is in his muddy hand. The door squeals open, then is torn completely off its hinges. I'll back away, over to Daddy, who's drunk and passed out in the easy chair, his cigarette still burning away in the ashtray, an empty bottle of wild turkey and a case of crumpled Coors cans littered around him, Daddy, who slapped me so hard once for wandering in the field that I couldn't hear for two days. Daddy, who blackened my eye when I told him he's too weak to be with Mama. With me. Daddy, who made Mama leave in the first place. Daddy, who kills 
everything. Peering up at my dirt man towering over us, something thumps from deep in my guts, from as far back as my kin goes. Mama's words float into my thoughts. I don't have time for weakness. I only have time for hard work, for myself, for my dirt man. I just need one last look at Daddy before I do my work. I go to Daddy, and I lean way down. He's curled in the chair with smooth, relaxed features, gentle and open. His muscles twitch like my baby nieces do when she's asleep. He looks handsome again, like my old Daddy. I lean down until I smell his breath, sweet with whiskey. Until I remember his songs and his smiles and his hand on my cheek. Until I see a fine sweat on his forehead, blood drumming in his neck curve like a trapdoor spider opening its lid. As if the hollow in his neck is this whole depressed desert. And we're all stuck in it, trying to climb our way out from the danger. Maybe he's stuck, too. Daddy sighs in his sleep, and it's about the nicest sound I've heard from him in a long time. Then I hear a low rumble, and the words must release. I stand straight and look at my dirt man. His glass eyes blaze. His crazy muck mouth opens wide. The dog teeth like insane fangs pointing every which way. But I know for him there is only one way. The scorpion burrows in his muddy body and it is ready. His huge arm reaches out palm open into the ceiling to God above the blinding sun who made us all, who made us all writhe around in the dirt. My dirt man's slimy hand opens for me. Grandpa Lee's hammer is in it, but I can't take it. It's too heavy. And just now, seeing my dirt man Seeing my daddy, I feel weak. My dirt man grunts and raises the hammer. On instinct, I shove myself between him and daddy. I hit his chest with my fist until my arms and face are coated in mud. Dirt man, don't! His leaden hand pushes on my shoulder until I have no choice but to lie down, flat to the floor, he kneels over me and gazes, his crazy face, the face I made, alive and electric and wet. The jagged black eyes and crooked teeth mouth don't animate at all, as if he's half dead, but doomed to move by someone else's want. By my want. I flinch and jerk my head when he lifts his arm up and brings it down. 
Then he rubs his heavy hand across my hair and cheek. I feel his slick, thick finger leave a trail as it slides. He hums to me, a rumbling that is deep water churning. I cry, and the tears sear my eyes. I close them and wish that everything was different, that everything was better, that we could all escape, be clean and free. I wish this as hard as I've ever wished anything. And I know my dirt man hears my wish. When I open my eyes, I see the hammer hanging in the air. I shut them again and wait for the red to spread under my legs, then back, then head, for my dirt man to make me an ocean. My daddy's ocean, all he had to give, final and glorious, floating me up forever. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the story. Please consider making a stop at our website at nightmare-magazine.com to leave a comment. Just click on Fiction, find this story, and leave a comment there. Or if you'd like to help spread the word, go to iTunes, find the Nightmare Magazine Story Podcast, and leave a review or rating there. Nightmare Magazine is published by John Joseph Adams. If you haven't already subscribed, check out our many options at nightmare-magazine.com slash subscribe. The stories of this podcast are produced by Skyboat Media the most respected independent audio production team on the West Coast. They are headed by the Audi and Grammy award-winning narrator Stefan Rudnicki and Gabrielle DeCure. You can check out Skyboat Media's website at skyboatmedia.com. Post-production is an association with Jim Freund. Music and sound logos are composed and performed by yours truly, Jack Kincaid. There's other ways you can be notified of new Nightmare Magazine content. You can subscribe to our free monthly newsletter or RSS feed, follow us on Twitter, or like our fan page on Facebook. If you visit nightmare-magazine.com and click on this month's editorial, you'll find links to all of our social media pages. This podcast is copyright 2014 by Nightmare Magazine. Thanks for joining us. Sleep tight. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. 
As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. 